2: thing you
3: need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It is day three
1: of the Trump showdown. Shutdown, I should say, and maybe showdown as well. What do you say? Hello, everybody. Here we go on this big Monday, Monday, January 22nd. We shouldn't be here, but we are uh, yeah, the gang that can't shoot straight, can't keep the government running, uh, even though they made some feeble attempt to do so over the weekend. Uh, and so the furloughs start today. Uh, government workers is uh, not paid as of today. And the whole thing is one bloody mess. What do you say? Great to see you today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, this is the place to get all the latest, uh, not only on the shutdown. But all the other uh, big news of the day. Um, and uh, we'll bring it to you from our studio right here on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., with a great lineup of guests this morning, including one member of Congress, Congressman Dan Kildee from I, Michigan. I just
3: assume he's going to walk in in like a Hawaiian shirt and shorts. I mean, he's not working, right? The government shut
1: down. That's right. So, yeah, he'll probably come in and, is, uh, yeah, with the shades on. Yeah. Casual Monday, right. Uh, I'm not even sure he can go to his office. But uh, <laughs> <clears throat> but we know he can't go to the gym because there aren't any towels. That's
3: right. That's right.
1: <laughs> in the house gym. Anyway, all the news coming your way with uh, this little plea that you tell us what you think about the news of the day. Uh, this little invitation to be part of the conversation. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. We dive right in. But first... <laughs>
4: This is the Full Court Press.
3: Just a couple of other stories making news here on a Monday. If you are a parent, would you let your children get on a social network? Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, spoke. He doesn't have any kids, but he spoke about his nephew. And he said, actually, he would not want his nephew to get on any social network. He says that we are overusing technology. And that that sort of leads to a lot of different problems, social problems, and you know, sort of hide away in your room and yeah, yeah, communicate yeah. with people that way. I don't disagree with that.
1: Uh, I, don't I, disagree I don't either. I think it's uh, it's very interesting that it would come from Tim Cook.
3: Yeah, it's notable that Apple doesn't have any social networks, I and mean, right. they have sort of they obviously have a <laughs> stranglehold on technology. But they don't run any social networks. So anyway, he says it's a bad idea, so take that as you will. Last night were the 24th Annual Screen Actors Guild Awards, and a big, big winner was three billboards. Three billboards outside Ebbing, uh, Montana. One, not only or Ebbing, Missouri, I should say, outstanding performance by a cast in a motion picture. Frances McDormand won for outstanding performance by a female, and um, Sam Rockwell won for outstanding performance by a male actor. So, the three big categories they're dominated by uh, three billboards.
1: Yeah, I saw it over the weekend. Um, I liked a lot of it, and I found it also very disturbing. But she was phenomenal. I thought she's, she's great, she's incredible. I thought the right.
3: movie was good. To think it was amazing, but I thought it was good. I didn't, I agree, it was very disturbing,
1: the, particularly the ending.
3: Yeah, I like, I disturbing. don't want to give it away. No, but, no, yeah. I like disturbing right. sometimes, but I, I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was a good movie, and we now know who will be facing off in the Super Bowl. It will be the New England Patriots, those mm. Trump supporting New England Patriots where's, versus
1: where's Jamie,
3: The the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles. Yeah. The Patriots beat the Jaguars yesterday 24 to 20.
1: Despite Brady's thumb, right?
3: Despite his, yeah, he had a, a whole bandage, a whole wrapping on one of his hands because it's all messed up. Uh, the Eagles destroyed the Vikings last night 38-7, to which means the New England Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles will be squaring off in the Super Bowl in two weeks. What do you think? You know what? I got to be honest. These are the two worst fan bases in probably all of sports, so I don't know who to root for. I think they're, <laughs> I think they're both. Uh, nobody wins. That's my That's my pick. apologize but due to the lapse in federal funding we are unable to take your call once funding has been restored our operations will resume please
2: call back at that time
3: this is the bill press show
1: uh yep indeed if you call the white house that's what you hear uh that's that's the message we are into day three of the trump shutdown what do you say hello everybody it is the Bill Press Show. We're not shut down. The, no, they tried. They tried. They they put out the word. All talk radio hosts uh, should uh, not be on the air this morning. They tried. We said, uh-uh, we're not going to shut down. No. In defiance of the Trump shutdown, we are here with all of you today, and we are not going away. Great to see
3: Imagine how surprised we were this morning when we called the White House to get yeah. our talking points, yeah, as we do every morning. As
1: we do every morning. And we got
3: that message.
1: I know. Startling. Startling. <laughs> so it's great to see you today. Hope you had a good weekend. Didn't spend it uh, the way members of the of the Senate did. Just walking around, and scratching their butts, trying to figure out uh, what to do about this shutdown. It was a pitiful thing to watch uh and uh i don't know about you but i was in the middle of it from uh late friday night on uh, cnn with don lemon to yesterday uh, saturday afternoon with Brooke baldwin on cnn to yesterday with alex Witt on msnbc uh and i didn't hear anything uh late sunday that i hadn't heard friday night there was really no movement at all again great to see you here we are with you as always to bring you the news of the day from our studio in Capitol, on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., and reaching out to you all across this great land of ours, uh, coast to coast, online, on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Joining you, of course, on Free Speech TV and on the radio out in Chicago, WCPT. Hello, hello, progressive voice of Chicago and in Indiana, the state of Indiana, Indiana Talks. It is day three of the uh, Trump shutdown. Here is the latest. Uh, Senate has agree- Senators have agreed they are going to vote on the latest proposal, uh, the deal um, that uh, so far as they've gone with their talks, that vote was going to be at 1 a.m. this morning. Uh, by the way, when I went to, I think I've mentioned before, uh, just a little personal thing, but... Um, From uh, our bedroom on Capitol Hill, we can see the Capitol Dome. And we can see when the light is on on the Capitol Dome, that means Congress is in session, either the House or the Senate, which means trouble. (laughs) If if you go to bed in the middle of the night and that light is still on, they're up to no good. Okay. When I went to bed last night, the light was on. In the middle of the night, I just thought, hmm, I wonder. I looked out. The light was on. When I get up this morning, the light was on. So, they were working all through the night on this puppy. The vote is scheduled today at noon on a deal that looks something like this. Instead of a continuing resolution that will keep the government funded until February 16, they would that's a month. They would shorten it and and fund the government until February the 8th. Now, think about that. That's the big deal.
3: I mean, that's... That's That's your government at work. That's your government. That's laugh out loud. This is
1: the fifth continuing resolution. Fifth time that all Republicans have been able to do... And remember, they're in charge, okay? Uh, 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 Maybe we ought to start right there. They're in charge. So this idea about what we call this shutdown, there's no doubt about it. When you control, it's the Trump shutdown. When you control the House and the Senate, and the White House, you own it, baby. You own it. I mean, that's your shutdown. No way you can blame it on anybody. You can't blame it on the minority party. You got the control. You have the votes, all the votes, in the House, in the Senate, all you need, in the White House. Republicans have proven they're good at lying and getting elected. They don't know how to govern. They don't have any idea how to govern. So this is the fifth time now they're going to come around instead of passing a budget with a continuing resolution that keeps the government funded for a couple of weeks, maybe a month. So this new deal they're offering, which they're going to vote on at noon today, is, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll kick the can down the road, but not for a month, only for three weeks. And then we guarantee you that before February the 8th, we will have a vote on immigration. Not only a not, uh, note. They're not saying we will pass and approve the DREAMers. We will not say we will do the right thing. All we're saying is we will allow a vote on immigration. You know what? We'll see what happens with this vote today. I'll tell you one thing. If I were a Democrat, I'd vote against it. I'd vote against it because I don't trust these bastards. How can you trust them? They said they were going to take care of the DREAMers before Christmas, and then they talk the they con the Democrats into saying, okay, we won't do it now. We'll just do keep the government funded now before Christmas. When we come back after Christmas, we'll take care of the Dreamers. Now here we are, January twenty second, and they're saying, no, we're not going to do it now. But if you give us another three weeks, then we'll allow a vote on immigration. Not again. But then we'll then we'll approve uh, and, and legalize uh, the dreamers and make it make it a permanent part of government. No, no, they're not saying that at all. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of Susan Collins. Remember, She made the deal. OK, I'll vote for the budget if you promised to have a vote on my health care bill before we leave for Christmas. And what happened to Susan Collins? They forgot about it as soon as their vote was taken. You
3: is can't trust re- these bastards. Well, that's, that's what it really does come down to. There's at, no at trust this point, right? At this point, what it really comes down to, there are a lot of obviously a lot of different factors with DACA and funding for the wall and Dreamers and all of that, right? And that's all valid. Yeah. But what it really, at the heart of this, is: Do you trust Mitch McConnell? Right. Yeah. Do you trust Mitch McConnell? That's a really easy question to answer.
1: Absolutely. Because
3: yeah. hell no,
1: no, no. He has lied over and over again. He has promised not, promised uh, to, to to take up the dreamers, and he hasn't. And so here's what's going on. And I talked to Congressman Luis Gutierrez about this on Saturday. We got to recognize. So the Republicans they were they were being very very clever. They they put in this deal to extend the government until February 16. The Children's Health Insurance Program. And now they're saying, "We're giving you the CHIP program. Why do you want Dreamers too? We're giving you 10 million kids for health insurance, but we're not going to we're not going to do anything about the Dreamers. They are pit. It is so so mean hearted, cold hearted, that they're pitting the health the health of kids against." The CHIP program against the dreamers and trying to force force the Democrats, you gotta choose one or the other. And what's really outrageous about that is the CHIP program has been supported by Democrats forever. Republicans have always opposed it. It's been unfunded for four months because Republicans blocked it in the Senate. And now they put it cynically in this in this short term deal and offered that as a way of having Democrats to forget about the Dreamers. No, 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 no. You know what's really going on? And back to Congressman Luis Gutierrez, uh, he made this point to me that what's really going on is they don't have a problem with the Dreamers, but they don't want to give up the Dreamers because they want to use the Dreamers as a bargaining chip to get at legal, not illegal, legal immigration. And that show is being run by Tom Cotton in the Senate and by Stephen Miller and John Kelly, chief of staff, down at the White House. In fact, if you want to answer that question that we've been asking on this show over and over again, who's in charge? Who's running the country? President John Kelly is running the country. And he's this hard liar on immigration. He agrees with Stephen Miller and Tom Cotton that they want to cut legal immigration in half, which is why they won't... Uh, go forward uh, with the DREAMers program. But in terms of how to resolve this thing, i got to tell you, there's only one way. There's only one person standing in the way of not getting this thing done. And by the way, I don't think it's that hard to fix. Look, okay, Republicans say we want the CHIP program. Democrats say we want the CHIP program. Democrats say we want to help the DREAMers. Republicans say publicly, Oh, we want to help the dreamers too. And then Donald Trump says, I want the wall. Chuck Schumer, by the way, I wouldn't have gone this far. Chuck Schumer's basically given him the wall. So put all three in the put all three in there. Put the wall and the chip and the dreamers in there. You got the government open. They could have done that Friday night. They won't do it again because for them, dreamers are the key to cutting legal immigration in half. And as as L- Luis Gutierrez also said w- when I was on MSNBC with him Saturday, he said, look, that wall, I hate this wall. But he said, I would go down there to the southern border. I would help. I'll take brick and mortar. I will help build that wall. I will build it brick by brick by brick if that's what I have to do to get protection for the 800,000 young people who, who, can't, who are brought here by, by their parents. So Democrats have, they basically said, you can have your, GD wall. But we want the dreamers.
3: I want to read this. Uh, This is from, remarkably, the uh, Cato Institute about the House GOP bill. Mm -hmm. This is the House uh, GOP bill on the dreamers, right? Take for example the status provided to dreamers in this bill. It requires them to maintain an annual income of at least 125% of the poverty line. If they fall below that level for 90 days not only are they subject to deportation again they would be criminals just they are trying to criminalize poverty
4: yeah yeah in america
3: oh. like never forget like if anybody tries to say oh this is schumer's shutdown like did the Democrats shut this down? Are the Democrats trying to stop really, really bad legislation from happening? you damn right they are. Yeah. And why? Yeah. For right. that, this is what the GOP is willing to put on the line to criminalize poverty? Yeah. That's just like a parody of what a Repo- like a terrible Republican politician
1: would Absolutely. do. Absolutely. So back to um, the one missing person and one missing element in this whole thing is notice who you had who you didn't hear from. You did not see. You did not hear from the entire weekend, (laughs) the so-called president of the United States. Now, he might have done a couple of tweets, but even not that many tweets. He was out. And where is the dealer? This is the deal to me. Where's the dealer, right? President deals. The deal, the dealer is called in a hole. He's in the bunker. He's in Dick Cheney's bunker under the White House. Here is Donald Trump, by the way. He had an entirely different point of view. I know you talked about this Friday with Igor when Barack Obama was faced with a shutdown in 2013 and Donald Trump was everywhere as a private citizen criticizing the president for not taking leadership. Here he is on Fox and Friends.
3: Problems start from the top and they have to get solved from the top. And the president's the leader. And he's got to get everybody in a room, and
0: he's
1: got to lead. Yeah. He also, (laughs) there he is. He's got to get everybody in a room, and he has to lead. Here is Donald Trump with Greta Van Susteren. She said, so let's say you were president. What would you do? Here's what he said. Quote, you have to get everybody in a room. You have to be a leader. The president has to lead. He has to get Mr. Boehner and everybody else in a room, and they have to make a deal. Uh, was anybody in the room with Donald Trump this weekend? No. Did he call Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell, whatever, any of them down to the White House to say, "Hey, come on, guys, let's resolve this thing"? No.
3: Hey, it was a ni- no.
1: It was
2: a
3: nice weekend in D.C. He could have taken a bipartisan trip out golfing, right? If he doesn't want to go in the, if he doesn't want to go into the Oval Office, they
1: could have had a picnic in the Rose Garden. Sure. Yeah. Donald Trump missing in action. So we'll see what happens today at noon. If I, again, if I if uh, if I were a Democrat, I would still vote against it. Chuck Schumer has said uh, there's no there's no real deal, uh, but there were there were two cases where, by the way, back to Donald Trump, where there could have been a deal. Remember, it was just last week when after Donald Trump had his colossal meeting. In the cabinet room. And he said, I need four things in a bill for me to sign. Right. Boom, 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 boom. Dick Durbin, Lindsey Graham, Jeff Flake, uh, Michael Bennett, uh, Robert Menendez or three Republicans, three Democrats all got together. Michael Lee was the other one. uh, And they wrote a bill. And they called the president up, said, "Okay, we got the bill. He said, oh, great, great. This is Dick Durbin. And he said, is Lindsey Graham on board? He said, yeah, absolutely. And a couple of other Republicans, Trump says, great, come on down, tell me all about it. They get down to the White House. That's the famous meeting where they show up at the White House. And there's Tom Cotton and David Perdue from Georgia who are there to kill this deal. Tell the president you can't do this. This is not a good deal because it doesn't cut legal immigration in half, which is what Tom Cotton wants. And so that's when the president came out and said we don't need any people from these S-hole countries or, or these S-house countries, whatever. That deal fell apart. And then Friday, the president called Chuck Schumer down to the White House. Schumer told this whole story. And he said, I need the wall. Schumer says, OK, I'll give you a damn wall. The president went, what? He said, yeah, I'll give you your damn wall. We want the Dreamers. The president said, sounds like a deal to me. Sounds pretty good. Chuck Schumer comes up back to the Senate. Dick Durbin tells a story from there. Chuck Schumer comes in, briefs the senators, stuns them, I'm sure, by saying, guess what? I gave him the wall because, you know, this, they're more important things. Uh, maybe the wall won't be built anyway. But Dick Durbin tells what happened.
3: And Chuck came back to the Hill. We sat down in his office, and I, I said, I think we're going to avoid this shutdown. I think we're ready to go. Two hours later, a call from the White House says the deal's off. We're not going to stand by this at all.
1: Yeah. Great. There it is. Great. So, no, there's a great front-page article by, uh, by Maggie Haberman and, and Julie Hirschfeld Davis in the, on the, in the New York Times this morning. Uh, the headline is, Vacillating President Complicates Talks.
3: Now, see, Trump probably thinks that's a compliment because he doesn't know what vacillating means.
1: (laughs) Probably, yeah. But okay. And they point out here the president is either unwilling or unable to articulate the immigration policy he wants. And, in fact, even Senator Lindsey Graham said, because, because, you see, anytime Trump says, hey, this sounds like a good idea, Stephen Miller and John Kelly run in and say, "Up." no, remember Tom Cotton. Remember, that's our guy. Tom Cotton's our guy. Lindsey Graham, basically, he yesterday, he roasted uh, the White House staff. Uh, he, he mentioned this. He said, that yeah, that's where the leadership ought to come from. But with this staff, in fact, Lindsey Graham said, as long as Stephen Miller is in charge, as long as Stephen Miller is in charge, there will be no solution to the immigration problem. Here's uh, Lindsey Graham. Somebody's got to lead. The White House staff has been pretty unreliable. The House is locked down. So I think the Senate is the best body to lead the country to a result. Now, you know, the funniest thing I think we're listening to the Republicans try to defend this shutdown and in, in ways that um, stretching as far as they could. One of the funniest I heard was somebody, uh, a couple of Republicans said, Oh, Republic, Democrats are only doing this. To embarrass Donald Trump. Uh, (laughs) Let me tell you, Donald Trump doesn't need any help embarrassing himself, right? He doesn't need any help from Democrats. He is a colossal embarrassment. He does a good job of embarrassing himself without anybody's help. He doesn't need any help there. Um, The other thing we hear, of course, is this is Democrats are choosing to back people who came here illegally They use the phrase illegal aliens or illegal immigrants, those pejorative terms, rather than the military. It's the dreamers versus the military. That is the biggest lie of all. No, it's not. Let me tell you, the Pentagon is just fine. They got more money than they've ever had in our history. They have every authority to do anything that they need to do. The planes are flying. The ships are sailing. The troops are fighting. Nothing is interrupted. The only thing that could happen is that mil- members of the military could not get their paycheck it depends on how long this goes they would have they would get paid but they would not get their paycheck when the paycheck is due they would get the paycheck when the when the shutdown is over if it goes that long that doesn't have to happen it's up to the republicans whether or not that happens in 2013 the last shutdown president obama signed a bill immediately that gave the military their pay every paycheck even if the furlough, if the shutdown continued so that's a phony issue and as Chuck Schumer pointed out yesterday Democrats Claire McCaskill already offered an amendment to make sure the military get paid on time guess who opposed it mm, Mitch McConnell so they they're trying to they're trying to use that issue uh, and I'm sure the base loves that issue but it's just a phony baloney issue and the other issue that Republicans are using this came out of the uh, Trump campaign do we have that ad Peter that, that listen to this this is how disgusting they really are uh, on this issue again right out of the Trump campaign operation that's
4: it. I only
3: say repair, a legal immigrant Luis Bracamontes, charged with murdering two police officers
2: I I one. It's pure evil.
3: President Trump is right. Build the wall. Deport criminals. Stop illegal immigration now. Democrats who stand in our way will be complicit in every murder committed by illegal immigrants. President Trump will fix our border and keep our families safe. I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message.
1: Notice the end. I'm Donald Trump. And I approve this message.
3: For the record, I pulled that ad directly from the Donald J. Trump for President channel on YouTube. So, like, it's yeah. there's no hiding behind uh,
1: it. The White House this morning is saying we had nothing to do with that ad. Uh, we don't take any. We don't take any responsibility for that ad. Did you hear at the very end? I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. Uh,
3: how how do they not take any responsibility for yeah, it? Right. It's got their name all over it.
1: Right. Yeah. So they're saying that because Democrats. That's what they're saying. Because Democrats want permanent, constitutional, congressional status for the DREAMers program. 800,000 young people brought here by their parents when they were toddlers, when they were babies, when they were, some of them, teenagers. Because Democrats want to protect these people who are now going through school, serving in the military. 900 of them serving in the military today. Paying taxes, have jobs, speak only English, most of them, never never lived in any other country. Because Democrats want to, want to recognize their status. Donald Trump is saying, you're responsible for anybody who's killed by an illegal alien in this country. I guess that means that Republicans are responsible, if you follow their logic, for anybody who is not killed by somebody who came here illegally to this country. Hmm. Look at that equation, <laughs> yeah. By the way, there is a little bit of other news. Uh, how about what Amazon has done, huh? I about this a little bit Friday. But Amazon has now picked the twenty finalists for their second great big headquarters. Uh, I think it's very interesting. They, there were a thousand cities that put. Oh yeah. That wanted it, right? Because they're saying it could be up to fifty thousand jobs related to that, yeah. right? Uh, and the interesting thing here is Washington, D.C. area might have a leg up, right? Because among the 20, three of them basically are the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. Montgomery County, Maryland, Peter, where you live, Yeah, just right across the border here. Um, Northern Virginia, so Montgomery County, Maryland, that way. Northern Virginia, we could see it right across the river here, Right. That's that's the suburbs of Washington. I mean, Roslyn, Arlington, Alexandria, all of that, or Washington D.C. itself, right here uh, in the capital, uh, where Jeff Bezos, the president of Amazon and the founder of Amazon, um, bought the uh, owns now uh, the Washington Post. So um, that's uh, I think that's a pretty good sign that they're looking carefully here at Washington D.C. and they should. Right. It's a big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. Uh, also uh, in the running, just to ch- show you, Los Angeles, Miami, Nashville, Newark, New Jersey, New York City. Come on, they got enough. They don't need any more. Uh, <laughs>
3: Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, I Raleigh. You're such a homer about yeah. this.
1: <laughs> Raleigh, North Carolina. Toronto, the only city outside of the country. That I think that'd be a mistake.
3: Well, I thought the whole point was that they were going to build another one here in America.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, don't go to Atlanta, Austin, Texas, Boston, Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Denver, and Indianapolis.
3: I mean, that's a big list.
1: It's a big list, and there's some really good choices on that list too. You know, Uh, this is like this is more important than where the national convention is held. You know that there's always a. Uh, a contest about where the national uh, the national political convention is held, uh, but those are a few jobs for a week. This is fifty thousand jobs uh, forever, so it's a really big deal. And I got to tell you, it's also a big deal to have a member of Congress as busy as they are uh, these days, uh, trying to resolve this shutdown. A member of Congress, come in to tell us all about it. Congressman Dan Kildee from Michigan's fifth congressional district joining us next here on the Bill Press Show. By the way, Capri Cafaro, former state senator from Ohio, we're going to be joining us a little bit later. Uh, And then uh, our great friend Joe Cirancione from the Plowshares Fund. That's our lineup this morning. Back with Congressman Dan Kildee just a moment.
3: We apologize, but due to the lapse in federal funding, we are unable to take your call. Once funding has been restored, our operations will resume.
2: Please call back at that time.
3: This is the Bill
1: Press Show. Yep, that's the message when you call the White House this morning, which we did uh, earlier this morning. Uh, It is day three of the Trump shutdown with a big vote scheduled at noon. It is the Bill Press Show. uh, No shutdown here. We're coming to you live, as always, from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., where we're brought to you today by the good men and women of the United Food and Commercial Workers Union uh, those members of the UFCW, a proud union family that feeds, serves, and provides for America's hardworking families under the leadership of President Mark Perrone. Check out their website at UFCW.org. Uh, he may not be—the uh, government may be shut down, but here's a man. He is ready for action. He's got his congressional suit on and his uh, lapel pin ready to go. Congressman Dan Kildee uh,
4: from the great state of Michigan. Well, Congressman, what's going on today? What's the word? Well, we'll see. I mean, there's uh, there's this potential of a vote in the Senate at noon. Uh, no real commitment from Democrats that they'll be a part of it, although I think that's actually up in the air. It's very hard to read this. Uh, and, you know, of course, part so of the, the problem. So the
1: big deal is, right, that they're saying, okay, instead of a continuing resolution that keeps the government going until February 16th, we'll just go till February the 8th. Yeah. Now,
4: yeah. what kind of a concession is that? That's that, it's not a concession. The only the the only concession, in, and I don't consider it much of a concession, but uh, when McConnell said he will bring up DACA and border security and these other issues, related issues, whatever, before is, February before 8th. February eight, 8th. but it doesn't mean that's, they'll vote for them. right? That's not exactly a firm <laughs> commitment.
1: They're not saying. We will approve the DREAMers program before February.
4: No, and I think part of the problem we're having, you know, this is always the case with us, I suppose, is that the Republican message is very simple and very clear, that Democrats shut down government to protect illegal immigration. That's their mantra. Of course, that's not the case, but that doesn't Mm -hmm. keep them from saying it. For us, it's always just a little more complicated than you can put on a bumper sticker Yes, it's about the DACA recipients, for sure. We ought to use every moment of leverage we have to do the principled thing in government, and that's one of the things we're trying to do. But it's also about the budget. Enough. Enough of this nonsensical kicking the can down the road. This is number five? This would be number five. Right. Enough. And keeping in mind... The other, the other uh, sort of phrase that's been oft-repeated, we heard the speaker on the floor say it the other day, and other Republicans are saying it, that there's nothing in this bill that Republicans, or that, I'm sorry, that Democrats object to. There's nothing in the spending bill that we object to. Wrong. Number one, we object to the fact that it only keeps government open for a few weeks. That right. don't, we don't like that. Good. Secondly, we object to the fact that while they're funding the CHIP program, They're not funding the community health centers, where in some communities, 40% of the CHIP recipients get their (laughs) services. And and again, why did they decide to include CHIP in the budget? Because even though we had been saying it over and over again. CHIP, which they have opposed. Yeah, for years. Right, yeah. Even though we have been saying over and over and over again uh, that this is a program we ought to fund, when it cost $8 billion over the over the window, over the five-year window. They were not going to touch it. They were going to cut that program and leave those kids hanging. But when the CBO did its analysis and determined that if they cut CHIP, that that was going to push a lot of people back into the marketplace and that the Obamacare subsidies would be Mm -hmm. larger Mm -hmm. than the cost of CHIP... So all of a sudden, they realize, wait a minute, actually, this will cost money. So as long as it doesn't cost money to keep kids healthy, they're they're all for it. If it costs them one precious thin dime that could otherwise be spent in the Defense Department, the kids are left out of the budget. So it is so disingenuous for them to get on their high horse that they're all in favor of children's health programs when the only truth of the matter is is that the mathematics trumped their, uh, their initial logic. Uh, I, I like your use of the verb yeah. trump. Uh, you know, i I got to get that out of my it, they take it another,
1: <laughs> another step, which is then having put it in there for those reasons, that reason that you pointed out. Then they say, so you are choosing these illegal kids yeah, right. versus these American kids, right. and they're pitting one group of kids against another very cynically. Um, And But on the Dreamers program, I have not heard one Republican make an argument why they're against – they say they're for the Dreamers program – why they're against it in this bill. And I think Paul Ryan, Ken Peter, he got – he sort of let the cat a little bit out of the bag yesterday. Here he is.
2: DACA is a symptom of a broken immigration system. We want to fix the root cause of this problem while we deal with DACA. So that we don't have 700,000 more DACA kids in five years. That's perfectly common sense, and that's all the president is saying.
1: So they're using DACA as a wedge. And uh, I heard Congressman Luis Gutierrez, I was on MSNBC right. with him on Saturday, make this point. What, they're up, up, what they really want to do, and what Tom Cotton and Stephen Miller and John Kelly are pushing, is to cut legal yes. immigration by half. And so they're not going to give them DACA, they're not going to do the DACA thing unless they can get. Legal immigration. There's no question, they, and, right? And, and maybe more people from Norway who are white. Right? Those white people get get rid of these black and, and brown.
4: Those Norwegians shouldn't be too comfortable. They'll <laughs> stop the Norwegians if they get a chance <laughs> to. Right, they, right? Right? So, this unless they I, take a loyalty oath to Donald Trump right. or something. So this is actually pretty predictable. Uh, Trump is not so bright. Not bright enough to be Spoiler alert. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know breaking yeah. news. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the people around him, while their values are, are horrific, they're a little brighter than he is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and what this, uh, this entire experience has been, both in the Congress and in the White House, is the full empowerment of the right. Because what, the, what Paul Ryan does, using his soft language- And what Donald Trump does when he says he wants to take care of the kids is meaningless as long as every negotiation, every policy formulation um, is is only done with a veto in the hands of Mark Meadows in the House, Tom Cotton in the Senate and Stephen Miller in the White House. Yep. the the that triumvirate is essentially running The government of the United States. This this is the tail. This is the flea wagging the tail wagging the dog. This is, but it's the full empowerment of the most extreme voices. We can negotiate anything we want. And Trump goes is all over the place. Trump's all over the map. Yeah, he he and he does negotiate. I mean, he had that meeting with Chuck the other day. Stephen Miller said no. Trump had to had to circle back. Negotiations take place in the Senate. Tom Cotton. Purdue, they say no. Okay, all deals are they off. They show up, kind of uninvited by Trump, but invited by Stephen Miller, and they put a kibosh on the whole deal. And then you know the, the the Freedom Caucus. Some of these guys, strangely enough, I have a decent personal relationship. Mark Meadows, I have a really good relationship with him. Um, but his position on immigration is no different than Stephen King or Steve, King, uh, Steve King's uh, position on immigration. Stephen Miller's. Yeah, well, yeah. No, oh, Steve, Steve King from oh, Iowa. Yeah, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, that crazy. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah that. right. But you know, there, there's a there's a sort of a velvet glove on that uh, on the message, but it's the same position: shut down immigration. Yeah, shut right. it down. Legal immigration. Yeah. yeah, because they because they are trying to use the negotiation on DACA as a way to offset the uh, family unification, offset diversity. By reducing the amount of slots available, and of course, once they start reducing, you know they're not going to they're not going to stop at a certain point. Uh, they really want to shut down uh, legal immigration. Yeah, uh, the uh, New York Times this
1: morning, uh, Maggie Haberman, a good piece called "The Vacillating President Complicates Talks," and she points out that Donald Trump has talked about these uh, the Dreamers. As incredible kids. I really want to help them. I love the Dreamers. And every time he looks like he's going in that direction. They pull him back. Stephen Miller and John Kelly. Yeah. President John Kelly come in and say, Uh, no, you can't do that. Yeah. I I don't think there's
4: much doubt that he's a real hardliner.
1: In fact, Gutierrez, Congressman Gutierrez again uh, on Saturday, uh, told me privately that he was sitting right across the table from John Kelly. I mean, just as close as we are. And John Kelly said... Um, if you want to make any deal, Tom Cotton has to approve it. Yeah. I he mean, said, you have to have yeah. Tom Cotton's okay yeah. before we'll make any deal with you. Yep. He told them that,
4: that they're taking all their orders from Tom There's Cotton. There's no question about it. And that's the way they can have this sort of plausible deniability that it's not them. They'll say, no, you can't get this through the Congress. And, and it's because they have empowered people who in past Congresses in previous periods were interesting uh, sort of uh, anecdotes of the, of the institution, that, that sort of crazy one uh, who has these extreme views, and we all kind of listen to them, and once in a while, like a broken clock, they might be right twice a day, uh, but never given the power to say no against a will that is comprised of uh, many other members. I, I took yeah. to the floor the other day and the thing that, that, uh, that I tried to point out, and it's hard to have a nuanced message, is that the reason the Senate can't move on this short-term spending bill is because the 218 votes that Paul Ryan got were the most extreme 218 he could find. He could have found 300 votes. Oh, yeah. Which is yeah. mostly going to be Republicans. But you know, And I may or, may or may not have voted for it, but I know a lot of my colleagues would have voted for a much more sort of sane approach to this whole thing. And you would have had the functional majority, just comprised of Democrats and Republicans, moving the ball forward. Mm-hmm. No, he's not going to do it. Well, several people, and you might be one
1: of them, several members of Congress have told us on this program that if Ryan were ever to just put the Dreamers program, in ta- a, a clean bill, as they call it, on the in the House and let everybody vote their conscience, yep. that it would pass overwhelmingly.
4: At least 300 votes at least 300 votes, a veto proof, proof in the House and in the Senate. Yeah, right. the uh, dreamers, whatever the configuration of the bill we would have put forward, it would probably be a compromise. It would sail through the Senate. It would sail through the House. And And the thing that is so irritating about this is since when, this Republican Congress for sure, but since when should the institution, the legislative branch, Suddenly grant to the president not only the executive authority, but why make him the speaker of the House and leader of the Senate at the same time? They keep saying, and we just heard McConnell say the other day, well, we can't move because we don't know what the president's view is. Yes, you can. Send it over there. Right. Send it over there. And you know what? He would sign it. Mm -hmm. Even he may not even have to sign it. It could become law without his signature.
1: Yeah. What did you – what was your reaction when you heard that um, – you heard the uh, Democratic leader in the Senate say, uh, okay, I went down there. Donald Trump said I want the wall, and I said, all right, you can have your damn wall. Uh, yeah, I mean I, – I, I know you haven't been a big fan of the wall. Not a fan or, of the wall. But no. it looked like Democrats were saying – I heard some House Democrats say the same thing. We'd give him his wall if that's what
4: it's going to take. Yeah, because there is a moment – when you know i I, I, I did a um, I did a summer fellowship at the Kennedy School of Government. I have this professor uh, named Marty Linsky, who was a real expert on the issue of public leadership, and this was eight thirteen years ago. The one le- lesson that I have ingrained in my head is that leadership is the act of disappointing your own supporters at a rate they can absorb. <laughs> sometimes you've got to turn to your own supporters and say, you know, we can't do it the way you want. Yeah. But because we are sometimes willing to make certain sacrifices in order to achieve a larger goal, we have to do things we don't like to do and that disappoint our own supporters. If that principle were being applied by Paul Ryan, we'd have the DACA bill. If that principle were being applied by McConnell, we'd have this thing done. The fact that that uh, that that uh, Senator Schumer was willing to go there, knowing that he would get some blowback, is some indication that he's willing to exercise leadership.
1: Well, uh, uh, what about the argument that we hear all the time that Donald Trump can't do this or can't do that because if he did, he would upset his base. Yeah. How long are we going to have? God forbid. I mean, just four years of placating and and, you know, throwing red meat to the base. That's what it looks like. It, I mean, it, it seems. Now, I think I hear that argument so so often. You know, I, I hear a lot of journalists use that argument. Well, he can't do that because it would upset his base. Well, what the hell? He's elected, right? He was elected president. He's there for four years. The, the, whole, the job is not about no. just appeasing your base for four years, right?
4: Isn't the presidency something maybe bigger than that? It, it, it has been in the past. It, it, my view is this. The change has to come from outside the White House. The change has to come from Congress asserting its role. We can marginalize this president. We can send him legislation that can become law with or without his signature. You know, if we have veto-proof margins, which I think on a lot of these big issues we actually have, with or without a Democratic Mm -hmm. uh, majority in either body. Um, When it comes to budget caps, like this is the sort of the Washington wonky talk, that is really a part of the shutdown, the fact that the Republicans want to significantly increase military spending. We but want to maintain some mm-hmm. parity between the growth of defense and non-defense. Um, we don't see anything on that from them. They, they want to basically use the tax bill and increase military spending to reduce Absolutely. the social that's that's what they're. That's sure. what they want to do. Um, but even but, on these but, bigger but, issues— Congressman, it seems to me— that which,
1: I, I would love to see Congress reassert its role in mm-hmm. many areas, including the war-making area.
4: Right, for um, sure.
1: For sure. But it's never going to happen as long as Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell are in charge.
4: More than likely, that's right. But I think it, the, it, it, to properly diagnose the problem, it's not just the president. It's the fact that Republicans in the Congress are unwilling to assert their constitutional yes, role. I totally agree. Yeah. Right. They are. And, and it— Puzzles me,
1: given who Donald Trump is, and the monumental embarrassment after embarrassment after embarrassment that they don't. It's, I think it's an opportunity for Ryan and McConnell to show some leadership and to yeah. um, establish, maybe reestablish the role of the legislative
4: branch. Yeah, I mean it's only been really since the beginning of the twentieth century that the that the uh, executive branch has been able to wield the kind of authority that we now think of being. Normal, uh, it was uh, more the ministerial functions of government that were under the authority of the executive branch, and the legislative branch had very serious controls. I mean, this issue of of the use of military force, the declaration of war, uh, or what we now the coll- colloquialism we use the authorization for the use of military force we don't even assert that, right? Which is even less than a full declaration.
1: I'm sure uh, several times over the weekend you have heard. Um, Back in 2013, uh, when um, citizen Donald Trump was watching President Obama dealing with a shutdown, um, he had a very strong view about w- w- presidential leadership, uh, necess- the necessity of presidential leadership. Here he
3: is. Problems start from the top, and they have to get solved from the top. And the president's the leader, and he's got to get everybody in a room, and he's got to lead. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Where's Donald Trump in over the weekend? Right, yeah. I didn't see him uh, no calling idea. everybody in a room. Well, right? they
4: did. They did. They did publish I'm, some photos of him hard at work at his desk.
1: Yeah, sitting there with his MAGA hat on and uh, right. on the phone or yeah. something. Yeah, but I mean the idea of bringing people down, getting in a room, saying, "Look, guys, we're not going to get a the old classic image yeah. of we're not nobody's going to leave, no pee breaks, no nothing until we have a deal, and we're, we're going to do it like right here at the White House." That's what you do. Friday night, I was uh, at CNN, and uh, the the cameras on the floor, obviously, watching that whole scene. There was also a camera at the White House. You know what the you know what the scene was at the White House? Lights out. Yeah, lights out in the White House, like at
3: nine o'clock. Except for the glow of the Fox News on TV. Oh, that's TV. true. That's it was true. still that light, but everything, you yeah, had the flicker of yeah. Fox News <laughs> on TV. Yeah. But it was just,
1: it was stunning. Everybody was like, where is he, yeah. right? He went to bed. Maybe he was watching, you
4: know he was watching TV. Yeah. But that's how you, that is how you resolve a conflict. You, know, where's, you, you put everybody in the room, where's and where's you say, you know what, we're not leaving until this is resolved. Because in a way, we all sort of know what the ultimate resolution of this should look like. Some commitment to do something on DACA because they say they're going to, they want to do it anyway, which you yeah. have to wonder yeah. if they really right. do. But you know, there will be a deal on budget caps. There will be, you know, some sort of a budget ar- arrangement which we won't exactly like, but it'll be, you know, more reasonable, uh, maybe. Either that, or we just keep going through this whole succession of these CRs. But a, a, a logical conclusion is some commitment to move on DACA. Some. Movement on a more, you know, a a more sane budget plan, and something on the wall, something on the wall, border security. security. That's where that's where it lands. you
1: put them all in there. Everybody says, "Well, we love Chip, we love dreamers, we love the wall." We put them all in there,
4: and when that's what, and what you really do is you just accelerate the process. Yeah, I I mean, I I was on the board of education in Flint, Michigan. I got elected when I was eighteen years old. Early in That's when team. you had the Afro. Yeah, I did. It was no, and a, the dashiki, least, right? And oh, those pictures dashiki? are yes. long gone. Uh <laughs> oh! <Uh-oh. laughs> if I have my way, no, we have our investigative team. <laughs> if we're working yeah. on it. We're working on it. I yeah. noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was, when there was a teacher strike, and one of my one of my first things I had to deal with in the the um, the judge of the circuit court ordered the negotiating teams and the members of the board of education to the courthouse at 5 o'clock on a Friday, and he said, you're not leaving here. Hmm. Bring uh-uh. your toothbrush. You're yeah. not leaving here until you have an agreement. Sunday morning we had an agreement over a six-week <laughs> strike. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. And it wasn't it wasn't. that we were sort of forced to do something we didn't want to do, either side. It's because he accelerated the process. He said, no, you're just going to have to speed up these conversations. Got to get through the, the machinations much quicker. And there's a little bit of pressure by being sort of stuck in a room. You know what? He's got Camp David, yeah. Sure, take him there. Mm-hmm. Send pizza in. I don't care. Um, get the get the leadership in a room, and there will be an agreement.
1: No, they could do that. Or you know, there's, there's, there's something impressive too about calling people down to the White House. Yeah, there. yeah, they do have some space there, room, right? Yeah. Or the Cabinet Room. They got <laughs> right lots of spaces there yeah. that 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 they could uh, that they could do that. Um, what does this do in terms of? Do you think?
4: The political fallout. Um, who gets the blame for this? Well, I don't think it's so clear. I mean, I think, I think generally over the long term, this is the Trump era and it's the Trump presidency. And he is, you know, he is. Del- and they
1: are in charge. They're right? in charge.
4: Yeah. And he's delivered chaos to to Washington, so I think that's the macro view. I think in the short term,
1: but sort of an appropriate way, in a sense, to end the first year of the Trump administration, yeah. Yeah. in total chaos, yeah, lights out, right? Yeah,
4: yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah I, the irony wasn't lost on me that that the shutdown officially kicked in, yes, on absolutely. the on exactly the one year anniversary yeah. of Trump becoming president. Yeah.
1: And the best part of it all was it ruined his party at Mar-a-Lago. Yes, I know. I mean, I'm sorry, we all yeah. have to take a little, of course. Eric was there. Oh, yeah. So, Eric Trump, who goes on Judge Jeanine Pirro's Pier- radio show, and he says, How great this is. This is great news.
3: Honestly, I think it's a good thing for us, you know, Judge, because people see through it. I mean, people have seen a year that's incredible, that's been filled with nothing but the best for our country, America first policies, and they're happy with where we are as a nation. That's sort of a quantum leap. Oh, yeah. from shutdown right. to just like saying it's been a great year.
4: I mean, he's just watching a different movie than I am. We I mean, were at the same theater, but he's in a, he's in a different <laughs> yeah. screening than I have been. But that's the problem is that the, they have this echo chamber that reinforces everything that they say to one another. And they actually I don't I don't doubt that he believes that. I just think it's 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 just such a distortion, you know, and once in a while I'll flip over to their, you know, their state news and watch it, and it it is a completely different story. How year. long is this going to last? You know, if it if it could go today, you know we could end it could up end with, today. And, and but then we're going to just be back at a February eight deadline. Um, it's really hard to predict. I I think you know we could we could unfortunately see this go on for a while. Would you agree that most members, regardless of their
1: party affiliation. Would like to see it end sooner no rather than about later. Huh? No question about
4: it. No one, you know, there's this fantasy that the other side spins that Democrats want this. Yeah, no way, no way. We hate this.
1: Right. Uh, well, we'll let you get back to work uh, All right. and hope things work out uh, for the best for everybody, uh, including the dreamers, yeah, for sure. And uh, I got to tell you, I've been proud that Democrats have uh, held the line so far. Uh, We have to. Yeah, absolutely. Congressman Dan Kildee, great to see you. All right. Former state senator from Ohio, Capri Cafaro, joining us next year, top of the next hour. Stay tuned. This is The Bill Press Show. We are now uh, two hours, uh, two days rather, eight hours and seven seconds into the Trump shutdown. Hello, everybody. On a Monday, January 22nd, uh, it is the Bill Press Show. Good to see you. Thanks for climbing on board here as we uh, leave, uh, start out in Washington, D.C., in our studio on Capitol Hill and end up everywhere in this great land of ours, coast to coast, wherever you happen to be online, on radio, on television. We are there with you with all the news of the day and the latest on uh, the Trump shutdown. Uh, A vote scheduled for noon today, which could end it all and keep the government going for, you ready for this? Well, another three weeks. That's about the best they can do. Former state senator from the uh, state of Ohio, a Democratic or just such a political commentator, Capri Cafaro. Good enough to join us uh, this morning here. Capri, it's nice Anytime. to see you. Anytime.
0: Absolutely happy to be here.
1: And a happy new year. I guess it may be yes. not too late in the year to say that because it's That's the first still time. still January first, and we haven't
0: seen each other since last time year. First we seen you in 2018.
1: Right. Thanks so much for uh, coming in. What a mess, huh?
0: Wow. I mean, I, I, there are no words for how ridiculous things are right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, across the board, I just think the whole thing. Ridiculous is the word I've been using, too. Yep. And I think America is
0: incredibly frustrated, Um, you know, outside the Beltway and inside the Beltway right now. I mean, uh, I think everyone looks like big babies, to be be frank.
1: Right. So we got a lot to cover with Capri and with all of you. And uh, what a great turnout for all the women's marches yesterday and Saturday all across this great land of ours. We'll get into all of that. Don't forget, we always want to hear from you what you think about the shutdown, the news of the day. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. We jump right into it. But first, this
3: is the Full Court Press. All right, just a couple of other stories making news. So, you know, airlines are constantly looking at ways to save money so that they can, you know, charge you more for your bags and things like that. Well, uh, at the end of the week last week, United made an announcement. They had, earlier uh, last year, they had changed their in-flight magazine. Their in-flight magazine is called Hemisphere, and Mm -hmm. they started printing it on lighter paper, right? So the stock isn't quite as heavy. They also started putting the instructions that you have, like in the back of the, the seat there, also that on lighter paper. All in all, they cut out one ounce per magazine and per paper, right? Doesn't sound like a lot, right? Well, it turns out by doing that, they saved 170,000 gallons of fuel just by cutting out one ounce per person. Here's a little bit of the math. They operate 744 uh, mainline airplanes that vary in size, carrying 50 to 366 passengers each. For a typical 3737 plane carrying 179 passengers, the reduction would mean 11 pounds per flight. So you average that out across... It saves them a lot of fuel, that, according to the L.A. Times. We did a little deep dive into, into that. Isn't that wild? That's incredible.
1: If only the people getting on the planes were a little lighter. They could save <laughs> a lot of fuel.
3: Two, too. <laughs> that, <laughs> too.
1: Yeah. Uh, Speaking of airlines. <laughs> Go
3: ahead. Yeah, all right, all right. Well, so uh, <laughs> yeah. a, a new study came out that took a look at who made money in 2017. Who made money? You're not going to be shocked to hear That eighty two percent of the wealth generated last year went to the richest one percent of the global population. In other words, four I know, right? Isn't this shocking? Four out of every five dollars of wealth generated in two thousand seventeen ended up in the pockets of the richest one percent. That is a report published by Oxfam.
0: Not fake news.
3: Rich keep on getting richer. Yeah. And worldwide. Worldwide. Yeah, that's this isn't just here in America. This is that that that's worldwide. So I can't imagine that this year will be any different. I think that it'll probably be a little bit more of the same this year. So uh
1: you know, that, that whole issue Barack Obama once called it the number one issue facing us is income inequality. Absolutely. Uh, we haven't done much about it, Mm-mm. but
3: apologize, but due to the lapse in federal funding, we are unable to take your call. Once funding has been restored, our operations will resume. Please call back at that
2: time.
4: This is the Bill Press Show. Uh,
1: Yeah, when you call the White House, that's what you get. That's the recording you get. We called the White House this morning. Uh, They are shut down. In fact, uh, Donald Trump's been totally shut down. We haven't seen or heard from him. All weekend. Hello, everybody. What do you say? It's Monday, January twenty-second. This is day three of the uh, Trump shutdown. Two days and eight hours, and uh, I don't know how many minutes or seconds right now. This <laughs> the countdown clock has been uh, twenty-one up. seconds. Twenty-one seconds. There you go. Has been up on CNN uh, ever since um, midnight Friday, <laughs> and I was there at CNN when we started the the first anniversary of the Trump presidency with the uh, Trump shutdown. Thanks so much for joining us online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Thanks for joining us on television on Free Speech TV and out in the greater Chicago area on WCPT. Good to see all of you this morning as well. And we welcome uh, back to the program a good friend, uh, uh, political commentator, Capri Cafaro, former member of the... the, uh, State Senate in Ohio. I've got to say, if you had a little budget um, crisis or whatever uh, in Ohio in the state Senate, you might have found a better way to resolve it than this Congress has.
0: Um, Well, I I, I actually have a real story on this because um, I was minority leader in 2009 when uh, the financial crisis occurred. And um, it was pretty bad. We had no money. We drained the rainy day fund. We are constitutionally mandated to balance our budget um, because we can't print money, obviously. But we actually – it took us two weeks. There was a stalemate. Mm. Um, It took us Mm. two weeks. Now, the government was not, quote-unquote, shut down. We we were able – to you know, sort of keep things afloat, but we were two weeks past our constitutional deadline, um, and I kind of, I kind of, frankly, blame toxic masculinity on that one because I presented everybody with a deal that they ultimately did do, but it took them two weeks to conclude to the same thing that I told them before, <laughs> before the deadline. Um, but you know, all in all, I, I mean, and that was a very unique circumstance because of the financial crisis. Um, you know. It's in state government. You have you have to put on your you know big boy pants and big girl pants and get things done. States and states have to balance a budget. States so. have to balance right. their budget, and um, you know I think that we could learn a lot, or Congress could learn a lot, um, you know, from the the practicality of state government, um, you know, rather than the finger pointing and and um, you know. Uh, Trying to, everyone is retreating into their camps, um, you know, jockeying for position in a midterm election um, and forgetting about the people, uh, which is quite frustrating.
1: Uh, Indeed, it is. And um, this was a time, too, one would think, when we would see uh, the dealer really perform. I mean, that's how he got elected. One of the reasons he got elected because he's got this reputation, art of the deal. I'm the dealer. I made all these great business deals.
0: And as he said in 2013.
1: Yes. In fact, let's listen again. You can't play it too often. Here he is on Fox and Friends.
3: Problems start from the top, and they have to get solved from the top. And the president's the leader, and he's got to get everybody in a room, and he's got to lead.
1: He uh, took the same message to uh, our friend Greta Van Susteren uh, on Fox, where she said, so what would you do, and quote, he told her. Uh, told all of us, quote, you have to get everybody in a room. You have to be a leader. The president has to lead. He has to get Mr. Boehner, then speaker, and everybody else in a room, and they have to make a deal. And now, like, the first big crisis, right, and where is he? Who knows? Who knows? Well, not in Mar-a-Lago. Not at Mar-a-Lago. We know that, right? Uh, by the least, way, did you see all at least of the they had photos? The sense not to go to Mar-a-Lago. All yeah, go the
3: photos. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised you didn't go. But all the photos from people who went to this big one-year uh, anniversary party in Mar-a-Lago that were appalled, appalled. I tell you, because by the way, some of those tickets cost like hundred thousand dollars. Hundred thousand dollars. Yeah,
0: yeah. It was like thirty-five thousand dollars, like bare minimum. I think was. Yeah, the, yeah. That, that
3: was like the starting point to get into that party. But you get into the party. And they had caviar service, and they had plastic spoons in the caviar. Oh, no. Oh. (laughs) Look, I'm not trying to sound like a snob here, but if you pay $100,000 to go to one of these parties. You should not be eating on plastic. You should not plastic. be eating caviar for plastic, plastic spoons.
0: My stars.
3: Where's the fainting couch at this party? I can't believe <laughs> I have to eat this caviar with a, with a plastic spoon. <laughs> <laughs> By
1: the way, uh, this is a little caddy, I guess. Uh, I it is catty.
3: But I, know, I, but love. Love. I know, but
1: also, um, also, did you see the, the Melania tweeted out about how happy she was and how proud she was of the first anniversary, and she put out, uh, some photos of her as First Lady. Not one photo of Donald Trump. He is not included <laughs> wow. in one
0: photo. I actually like Melania, to be honest. I I think that she... I'm not saying... I'm, all I'm saying no, no, that's funny. I think there's
1: a message there. There is right? definitely a message it's there. It's her
0: with so-and-so
1: and her with the military. Right. Not one. Donald Trump doesn't appear in one photo. Well,
0: I mean, when you look at her tweets, she actually steps up. You know, more like before Trump does on a number of, you know, when like the hurricanes happen, for example, or, you know, the tragedy in like Las Vegas and like Melania is out there like tweeting like, you know, our heart goes out to X, Y, Z, like hours before Trump, which I find fascinating as well.
1: I haven't seen that, but anyhow,
0: yeah, um, 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 I-, I noticed that a couple times, and I was like, "Wow, she's like beat him to the punch." On- I just
3: want to be very clear. I'm still on the "I think Melania is bad" train.
0: <laughs> like, I, I think <laughs> okay.
3: that she married Donald Trump, and that says all you need to know about Melania. <laughs> all right. Touché.
1: All right, we're not going to uh, we're not going to make this. I no, hear you. I about, just I just wanted uh, to point that uh, out first. But I, I thought the f- photographs was kind of interesting. Well, back so back to this leadership role. I mean, what is it with Trump? You would think, again, that he's got the Oval Office. He's got the Cabinet Room. He's got the Roosevelt Room at the White House. He's got Camp David.
0: Right. And Camp David, I think, would be a very good tool for this right now. Bring them sure.
1: together. And, and, and the, you know, the classic Trump, the image we have of Donald Trump, right, and we mentioned this a little bit with the Congressman Kildee, would be that he gets him in a room and he says, listen, damn it. right? We can't let this happen boom, 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 there's too much at stake. Now you guys are here, we're ordering pizza, and you're not leaving, leaving right. until you, you make know, here's, a You know, here's what
0: I honestly and think. And everybody
1: that... would say, that's the guy that we voted for. Right, Instead, right. Instead, where is he?
0: Well, I, here's what Lights I think the out. challenge is. I think the challenge is this, and, and I and I say this with, with all due respect and, and with a, a good deal of seriousness. I'm not trying to be cheeky about it. I'm not sure that President Trump... Fully understands the complexities of the policies that he is dealing with, as far as breaking news, uh, as far as as far <laughs> yeah, as right. DACA, and I mean oh, a number no. of different things. So, so how can you negotiate if you don't understand the premise on which, you know? And so I think that's the problem when Dingo. you when you don't have a, a, a core competency absolutely in the issues that need to be negotiated, you cannot effectively negotiate them. And I think this is—and so when you hear, you know, like when Lindsey Graham is like, Stephen Miller, you know, is in his ear and this guy's in it. So every person that he talks to, right, he was like, well, that's a good idea and that's a good idea. So, I mean, every person that he talks to, I think, meanders his viewpoint. And how can you negotiate from that position?
1: Right. Uh, for example, let's take the Dreamers program, right? And I had this, uh, this little debate with— uh, uh, Conservative commentator, but reflecting, I think Donald Trump on um, CNN Saturday. They said first of all said, "Well, what about these dreamers?" There are a lot of questions about them. I mean, how about all the how about all the crimes? I said, "Well, what, what, wait, no, there's the the dreamers program. If you have a felony or something,
0: you, you can't you can't yeah you, you cannot apply. apply it, so right. that's
1: already taken care of. Just, well, are, are there going to be citizens? I mean, how will you do about no? Right. And I talked to Luis Gutierrez, congressman, about sure. this. They, they, there's no path to citizenship for the dreamers. I mean, they, every two years
0: they have to reapply. They have to reapply, which is part of the problem right now because you know the March deadline is ticking, and yeah, it's part. Of the, so these people don't understand.
1: The program has been worked out. The program, the Dreamers program, was in place. It was working. It was protecting people. It was giving them this opportunity. And Donald Trump unilaterally, unnecessarily, summarily just said nope. I'm going to throw it to Congress, and if they don't do something about it, making it permanent. Uh, they also argue that a judge, then, then he said, you know, we're going to just end it. They also argue that a judge has ruled it unconstitutional. That's not true. No judge, the constitutionality of it has. There are people who say Obama had the, a power to do that. Some who say he didn't. Right, exactly. But it's never been resolved. So right. they make all these arguments about it. Um, how, how important do you believe this Dreamers program
0: is. Oh, it's incredibly important. I mean, I, I do. I am in the in the camp that I do think that it needs to be dealt with separately from the budget negotiations, um, because I, I don't think I think it's it too good. Exa- I think it's too important to get bogged down in this, you know, CR mess um, with continuing resolutions, trying to keep the lights on. Uh, to me, the issue of DACA is one of human dignity. And uh, uh, it's unfortunate that that human beings have become so politicized. I mean, they came here no fault of their own. They have no, no country other than the United States. They are productive members of society, um, you know, and they are counting on Congress to do their job. So it needs to be addressed. And I think that, you know, Democrats and Republicans alike, many of them, I think, recognize that. But I think that there are extremes in in the Republican Party that um, see this as an importation of a Democratic voter base, which I think is really in poor form. It's not true.
1: Yeah. And by the way, it could have been considered independently. Uh, Congressman Kildee told us in the last half hour again, uh, other members of Congress have told us the same thing, that if you put it on the floor in the House as a clean DACA bill, It would pass overwhelmingly. Right. It would sail through. Same thing in the Senate. And the reason, the only reason it's part of the budget process is because Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan won't allow it. Right. To have a clean vote. Remember even... Even in that one which classic- Which makes no sense. Or that one classic meeting with Donald Trump and all the legislators when right. Senator Feinstein said, well, we just, let's just have a clean Docker bill, then we'll deal with all these other issues, which right. are complicated, and we'll get to all of those, but let's just take care. And right. Donald Trump said, that's a great idea. And then Kevin McCarthy jumps in, right? And says, exactly. Oh, no, you can't do that. You can't
0: do that. Exactly. Well, precisely, again, back to the, my original point that, you know, depending on who he's talking to, sways his opinion.
1: Right. Uh, he's all over the place. And I think it's basically on a fundamental lack of knowledge or ignorance about the issues. But you know what's what's scary is that's true of the Dreamers. That's true of immigration. That's true of climate change. That's true of whatever, you know. The other thing that, I, that, I, that, that struck me over the weekend was we remember uh, late in December how Republicans pulled out—and the president, too— pulled out all the stops to get that tax cut bill passed.
0: Yeah. You would their... think that they would be able to get this done again. Don't well not well, Exactly. Well, here's here's what, it,
1: again— All that effort, all that time, because they wanted to give their billionaire donors a tax cut. Right.
0: Well, and they needed some kind of a legislative victory to point to after a year because of so many failures that occurred. Yeah. You know, repealing and replacing it. Obamacare didn't work. Comes... The, the travel ban didn't work. I mean, Right.
1: But now, when it comes to— keeping the government running. Right. They can't get they can't get this stuff. Well, again. I
0: think that they're they're looking, here's what I think happened as well. I think that um you know, there were members of the Freedom Caucus that did not want to vote for, you know, this this situation for, with this uh, you know, CR that came out of the house. I think that the Republicans in the house sat them down and said, "Look, you better like get on board and vote for this because we ha- the only way that we can try to put this in the hands of the Democrats is by putting it in the Senate." and you know saying look they you need they need 60 votes in the senate and so now it's the democrats fault so i think that there was a very serious political calculus coming out of house republicans saying you know for those that were dissenting within their ranks you know shut up get yeah. on board and right. and let's let's you know put this in the hands of the democrats
1: caprico faro with us uh from uh what on twitter people can follow you on twitter yes, right it's indeed. the best thing to do at on. the
0: honorable csc <laughs>
1: At the Honorable C.S.C. C. Capri
0: Silvestri, Silvestri Capar.
1: Yeah. I was just wondering what the S was for.
0: <laughs> my mother's uh, maiden name. Uh,
1: okay, so yesterday and Saturday, a lot of people uh, out in uh, the streets Peter. A little uh, natural sound here, not sound of some of the protesters. I think this was in L.A.
3: Uh, this was in New York. Oh, actually. New York. Yeah, Sorry. That's
1: my friends were there. My body, my body, my choice. My body, my choice.
4: body, choice.
1: So the crowds are just looking here. So Chicago, 300,000 people turned out. New York City, 120,000. Los Angeles, 600,000 people. I don't know what the crowd here was in Washington, but it was pretty impressive as well. But The yeah. hundreds of thousands. Um, and in Las Vegas yesterday, the whole focus was um, on voter registration, you know, um, Which is great. Which was, okay, we're going to have this march, but it doesn't end here. Thank goodness. We want everybody to go out now and then make sure that we vote but get everybody else to vote. So uh, it just shows that the Women's March a year ago, Mm -hmm. right, the energy is still there. It
0: Uh, it will certainly. I mean, because, uh, you know, I mean, policies are... um, are changing for the worse in many circumstances, particularly when it comes to, you know, issues of reproductive rights. Um, you know, there's a, a whole host of, of executive orders coming out of Health and Human Services to make it, you know, easier to, um, you know, not provide Planned Parenthood funding to non-abortion services at the state level. I mean, you name it, you know, there there are, you know, concerns there. But I think the most telling thing is how many women are running for office, Um, You know, if there was a recent Time magazine article about this kind of in the sort of a retrospective of one year after the Women's March. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, there are I think it was like a three hundred and twenty five percent increase from 2016 to 2018 as far as the number of women that are running. There are twenty eight thousand women, I believe. Have requested information from Emily's List um, up from like 990 in 2015 2016 so I mean the the interest is there and at every level of government I mean I know Congress gets you know all of the attention or most of the attention but there are a lot of women that are running you know in and state legislative races and City Council races and and really trying to make a difference And, and I can tell you as well because I'm very involved in trying to mentor younger women getting into you know public service I mean, I just spoke to an organization, uh, a group of women, uh, college girls, college young women, um, like 250 of them. I mean, and some of them, you know, want to get involved in other ways, but a lot of them are looking on, well, how can we run for office? And I think that, you know, the Women's March certainly was the impetus behind that. And then when you overlay that with Me Too and Time's Up, um, it's, it's really, um, things are changing.
1: Oh, no, absolutely. So what do you tell these young women? And again... I think it's it's so important, as you point out, that they're running for, and Emily's list is very much a part of this um, city council, school board, board of supervisors, and some um, state legislative seats, which is so important. You're a former state senator. So, what do you tell them where to start? I mean,. Some of them may have their eye on Congress. Should they start there? Or or how's how's the best place?
0: I mean, I I think it's really, you know, down to where you feel your passion is and where you feel that you can make the best impact and have the most to bring to the table. I mean, some people have a a greater competency in federal policy versus, you know, state policy. But, you know, I I do tell them— maybe
1: they have some experience, right, which would— in the business world or whatever exactly. which would propel them maybe to a higher right well and a, and
0: i think that you know what i do uh-huh. tell them though now is that um you know my experience has been that you can get you can have more impact frankly at the state level than i think you can at the federal level in in a mean, in meaningful ways but I, you know it's important um i think to encourage women to understand that it's you can Um, you have to take the risk. You can't be afraid to lose. Um, And, um, you know, my hope and then if you do lose, I mean, I've lost elections, you have to come back. Um, You know, if you really are passionate about it, this isn't just about, you know, getting on board to a trend. Um, This is about, you know, dedicating yourself to public service, finding a way to make a difference. It's not glamorous. Um, You know, it's not sexy necessarily when you have to go and do the real work, Um, you know, and I think it's wonderful. One of the things that I've seen in a lot of these different organizations, like she, she should run, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and even the women's marches, it's creating this network of Run for of women. something,
1: I think it's another group. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it's
0: it's creating a network of, of women that are supporting each other, um, and then mentors that are helping these women, you know, elevate their uh, their ambitions.
1: Yeah. Knowing that you could lose is such an important lesson, because, I don't know, I, probably half the people in public office, you know, at some point have lost an election, right? Right and it's it's not that on was the first time you're out, and but then statistics the next, show but you that get the when women run and then you, boom.
0: they 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 don't seek uh they they quit. And so that that has been you know sort of the consistent you know up to this point yeah, at least.
1: That's so an important.
0: Um, and and you know I say let's well, we got to turn that tide.
1: Why do you say that you might be able to have more impact at the state level than at a federal level?
0: Boy, I mean, like let's let the government shut down. These guys are, are, you know, I mean, clearly unwilling to govern. Um, you know, there's there's such, uh, I mean, there's such gridlock in Washington right now. And such a a toxic environment that is so partisan, Um, you know, and so it's a chicken and the egg. You know, if you don't go, if you don't try to run in Congress and try to change it, I guess it's never going to change. But at the same time, you when at least in my experience, the kind of issues that you're able to address a lot of times at the state level, you can see a direct resounding impact on the people that you represent. Whereas, you know, you're a little bit more removed Um, At the congressional level. And again, it's, you know, when you one a 425 or 525 with with uh, the United States Senate, um, you know, your voice is is a little bit more muted. Um, You're spending all your time raising money um, as opposed to legislating. Um, So it's just it's just a function of of the of, you know, the uh, level of government. It's so
1: important for so many reasons. I just uh, I I wanted you to reinforce that because it's something I believe in. Uh, and not to mention drawing district lines. Not oh to mention gosh!
0: Don't, don't let me don't get me started. It, right? That's right. Absolutely. Look, I mean, it's the state. It's the state legislature and state governments that draw the congressional lines and and the, and the state legislative lines as well. Um you know and there are systematically we're seeing more and more activities surrounding um you know trying to do uh, bipartisan commissions and and take it out of the hands of of the legislature but um gerrymandering itself has contributed to gridlock in Washington. Totally.
1: Right. So and, and
0: I know there's a couple Supreme Court cases coming up about that as well.
1: <laughs> yeah. And look what happened in North Carolina. Right. Right? And then we've got um you know, those, those, the, the census coming up and all, also. Uh, but, and effort. isn't,
0: isn't the U.S. Census Bureau like woefully underfunded and they're taking away people that are statisticians? That's like a big problem.
1: Uh, and I also, so I forget where I heard this last week, that uh, there's, they're thinking about a new rule where the first thing they're going to ask people is, are you a citizen or not?
0: I, I heard about that. Right.
1: And that immediately will reduce the, reduce the number of people who are willing to. Right. To take to participate, part, right. Which means that so many federal programs where the allocation of money, like food stamps- Right, based on- As based per, on- Per capita allocation. Per capita, and so it's a diabolical thing that they're trying to use the census now to undercut public policy as well. Uh, another reason for the state legislatures to be strong and to have Absolutely. good people there. Right, right. So that's right. Um, I need to ask you about Ohio a little bit because- sure. <laughs> Ohio politics is always is always very uh, very. We, interesting we are we incredible. are unique. All right, so um, Sherrod Brown running for re-election,
0: right? Going to be all right. I think so. I really do. I mean, Sherrod is, uh, you know, he's a he's a force. Uh, he's managed to, you know, stay very true to his principles uh, in a state that, you know, uh, has is I think more center right. Um, Than then, you know, people, I think, often see uh, I think he's going to be fine. I, you know, Josh Mandel, um, who was challenging him, who challenged him in 2012, who's the state treasurer, um, dropped out of the race and he has been replaced by Jim Renacci, member of Congress, very wealthy, um, you know, Trump ally. I, I know him. Um, you know, he's he's formidable for sure. But I mean, I, I share it has the infrastructure.
1: Senator Brown reminds me of uh, Tom Harkin, you know, who was as as progressive as you could get in Iowa. In Iowa, yeah, and as you say, true to himself, never made any bones about his political, you know, his 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 principles, principles, if you will, and at the same time, in a basically center right state. Uh, like Iowa, always got reelected because yep. people just appreciated that he was right. true he's, to himself. He's, Exactly.
0: I mean, he's totally I, transparent. He's very honest, right. and that's
1: important. So um, who's the next governor of Ohio? Uh,
0: Mike DeWine, honestly, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, it's it's going to be incredibly difficult for the Democrats to, to break through. We have we have some good candidates, but I mean it's going to be tough.
1: What is Dewine's position now?
0: He's Uh, he's the Attorney General. Attorney General, and he has teamed up with the current Secretary of State John Husted.
1: Richard Cordray is running. Yes,
0: Richard Cordray, Is the Democratic nominee. uh, Oh, there's a a huge primary. Dennis Kucinich is in that primary. That's right. Uh, So Betty Sutton, former member of Congress, has joined Cordray as his running mate. They are definitely, I think, seen as uh, you know, sort of the the uh, Mm -hmm. the leaders. Um, on that. But it's, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting primary in and of itself.
1: And does John Kasich challenge Donald Trump in 2020 in the Republican primary?
0: I tend to think so, um, just out of sheer sort of moral, uh, you know, crusading. Uh, I, I'm in the minority in that view, but I, I think so.
1: You, 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 most people think he will not run, right?
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think he will. Think and he I, will? I'm in the, I am definitely the, in the minority in that view, but I, I, seem, I believe, I mean, if you look at everything that he's saying and doing, I think that he, he, you know, I think knows it might be a losing proposition, but I think he's going to do it because I think he thinks it's the right thing to do. What can
1: we do to encourage John Kasich to run?
0: Good question. <laughs> I, I mean, I think a lot of people that regretted voting for Trump might get on board with, with Kasich. Question is could he get out of the primary? Mm-hmm. But I think maybe he could. I mean, people are going to turn out in droves in 2020, I think. I mean, we. I mean, part of the challenge in 2016 was that not a lot of people voted in reality. Mm-hmm. And that's right. how we ended up in the circumstances that we sure. ended up in. Sure. And, you know, places like Wisconsin were won by like oh, yeah. 28,000 votes, you know.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, I think a case uh, um, like Trump primary in 2016. 20- 2020. Healthy indeed. for America. Healthy for America, indeed. Healthy for so democracy. So great seeing you. Thanks Absolutely, so much for you everything as well. You're doing and everything. Uh, and don't forget, you can follow Capri on Twitter um, with her comments on the of the day on at, at the Honorable CSC. That's it. Joe Siracione from the Plowshares Fund standing by to join us uh, for the next half hour. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Uh, America first. How's that doing for America's image around the world? We'll find out.
3: Download our podcast. Search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show.
1: And on a Monday, January 22nd. Hello, everybody. Great to see you again. Thanks so much for being part of the program this morning as we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. Our studio right here on Capitol Hill brought to you today by the United Steelworkers and their international president, one and only Leo Gerard, a great fighter for American um, working families, uh, leader of the United Steelworkers, which happens to be North America's largest industrial union, representing over 1.2 million active and retired members. Check out their website at usw.org. A lot of talk this weekend. Uh, about the uh, first anniversary, uh, now year of year one done of the Trump administration, and what impact it has had on uh, this country. And not a lot of talk, uh, as much as I think we need, about what impact the Trump administration has had on America's mm-hmm. position around the world. That's why we turn to our good friend Joe Sironsoni from the Plowshares Fund. Hello, Joe. Nice to see you. Good morning. Pleasure And a happy to be new you. year. Happy, welcome welcome all, back. All
2: things considered, happy new year. <laughs> That's right.
1: Exactly. We've been at it for uh, an hour and a half this morning, yes, Joe, uh, which has generated uh, a good share of uh, Twitter comments. Peter?
3: Yes, indeed. Lots of comments on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show, specifically on the shutdown. Uh, Luna says, stating the obvious here, but the only people Trump makes deals with are the Russians. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, I hadn't uh, heard that. That's, pretty that's good. good. That is good. Yes. That's pretty right. good. Uh, uh, Gilly says, Trump's approval rating is in the 30s, so forget about the base. 70% or more of the country supports DACA. Here's an idea. Stop alienating the majority. That's a good, uh, uh, yeah. that's a good take there. Uh, one other comment uh, really quickly here is, uh, sorry, uh, here is KG. KG says, so hilarious. They're trying to deal rationally with someone so totally out of the grasp of reality. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah, you could find us on Twitter at BP Show, mm-hmm. at BP Show. You could leave a comment on any topic at any time, and we'll read it on the show if it's good enough.
1: So there and- you go. Thank you, Peter. And we are now two hours, uh, two days, rather, eight hours and 36 minutes into the uh, Trump shutdown. Uh, And as you mentioned, the um, approval, one of the tweets of the approval rating, um, NBC News reported over the weekend, uh, NBC Wall Street Journal, Donald Trump at 39% approval. Uh, ABC Mm. News last night, ABC said uh, 30, their latest poll shows him at 36 Mm-hmm. Uh, approval. Um, and approval. Uh, and that's even bef- before the shutdown. So, Joe, the front page of the New York Times, this mo- or Washington Post, you brought it in yeah. this morning. Uh, America's, uh, uh, their headline, um, America First Approach Leaves the U.S. Yeah. Isolated. What is the impact? I mean, so how does the rest of the world see year one Donald Trump.
2: This is one of the most important and least discussed aspects of this disaster of a presidency, what he's doing to America abroad. Basically, he is presiding over the retreat of America in the world. He's presiding over the collapse of American influence in the world. We used to go out and advocate for democracy and human rights and international development. None of that is happening now. The first question but diplomats would ask, officials would ask in foreign capitals, is what does Washington think? Mm-hmm. You don't hear that anymore. After this year of experience that, that, that's happened, meeting after meeting happen around the world, international meetings. The Post talks about the World Trade Organization meeting in South America, where the American representative gets up and gives a bellicose Donald Trump-like speech about unfair trade practices or about how our allies are taking advantage of it. And the U.S. is left isolated at the meeting. So what this means is that the U.S. is leaving a vacuum, a vacuum of leadership in the world that others are moving in to fill, specifically uh, China. And that's what's happening all around the world today, is you're seeing the U.S. allowing China. It's not that China's got a particularly aggressive international policy here. Mm -hmm. In some areas, like the South China Sea, yes, but mostly, no. They're moving in to the vacuum that Donald Trump has has left.
1: I guess one big example of this, right, uh, the Paris Accords. Yes. Where we
2: are now the only nation on the planet. The only nation. Syria has just joined in the last few months. We're the only nation. And so the other nations are going ahead and, and making the rules and, 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 and drawing the map w- w- without us. Same on trade. You know, you don't like the TPP, uh, there was flaws with that. I'm sure you yep. you felt the yep. same way. But then, what are you going to replace it with? Well, the answer for Donald Trump is nothing. So what happened is, China moves in, and, they, and they're and they're writing the rules now on what Pacific trade, perhaps the most important area of the world in trade for us in the future, uh, is going to be.
1: And again, that means the leader of uh, for for trade in the in Asia is. China absolutely. in the Pacific, absolutely. China,
2: and this is true, of course, for Europe as well. Europe's going through its own convulsions, has its own right-wing right wing problems. I just met with some European leaders uh, a week, a week and a half ago, who were in town to talk to Congress about the Iran deal, and and they were absolutely clear that if America deserts the Iran deal, they will forge a path without us. They're not going to wait around to see what Trump thinks. They know what Trump thinks, and it's, and they're not impressed. So they're going out, and, they're, and they're, you you can see the Europeans forging their own way, as as mm-hmm. German leader Merkel said, "We have to take our own destiny in our own hands."
1: Uh, and we remember early in the Trump administration, <clears throat> he was became the first modern president, certainly, to question NATO. Uh, now he kind of, sort of came around, but. Remember one time no,
2: he, I, I wouldn't say. I mean, yes, kind of, sort of came around. But he basically sees NATO. He, he sees Europe and our NATO allies as, as economic rivals. Mm-hmm. So the whole world he sees in these New Jersey developer terms. These are my <laughs> enemies. You know, yeah. these aren't my... Sure, mm-hmm. they, you know, I go, we belong to the same country club, but I'm in competition with them. So this is, and people have said this, this is the first president of the United States since the end of World War II who hasn't seen himself as the leader of the free world. That is not the way Trump looks at the world or looks looks at his own role.
1: So when people hear him say America first, Mm. well, well, first of all, there are echoes, I think we've talked about this, of... pre World War II the, the, the Charles Lindbergh Charles Lindbergh yeah, and America others first. right meaning, and meaning Joe Kennedy pro-Nazi and others meaning, meaning
2: isolation to stay out of World War II Le- leave that to the Germans
1: right. right and that's what they called themselves the America, America first, first. Yeah, yeah. But
2: when people around the world
1: hear Donald Trump say America first today you know what do they think it's it, it's sort of like you know, we're all for ourselves and
2: screw the rest of you, right? That's exactly what they think. And you were just talking about the domestic polls. The international polls are the same way. You know, American, do, do, you, do, you, do you support American leadership in the world is the kind of question yeah. you would ask. Pew. Pew does these polls. 60% under Obama. Obama himself had very high ratings, but America overall about 60%. Trump in one year, God love him, has cut that in half. We're down mm. to about 33%. A third of the world approves of our leadership. And remember, most of the world is, is constructed of our friends, you know, people who, 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 who we give aid to, who have been part of security alliances and part of partnerships. Uh, really, it, except for Israel, it's hard to think of any nation in the world. Pence is in Israel today. It's hard to think of any nation in the world that, that approves of what they see, that take, that is looking to the U.S. for leadership on issues.
1: Well, we saw this play out yesterday in Jordan, uh, mm-hmm. where the vice president, who uh, I think wisely decided to get as far away from the shutdown as he could. <laughs> I
2: don't I want thought, any part of this mess. I thought he
1: might go into Siberia or someplace. It's place. not I don't me. Know. No. Uh, so he goes, base uh, touring the Middle East. This is a, a trip that he delayed before, and he's sitting down with the king of Jordan uh, yesterday, who... Um, Didn't waste any time telling him, telling the vice president what he thought about Donald Trump's recent unilateral decision to support moving the U.S. or making Jerusalem the capital of Israel. Yeah.
2: Exactly. This is, so all our Arab allies are apoplectic about this. Even Egypt, part of um, Spence's first stop, Sisi, the government, hardline authoritarian ruler Sisi thought he... He found a natural ally in Trump. Was enthusiastic about the election, but then he sees what Trump is doing in the region, and then this decision on on Jerusalem infuriates him and the Egyptian people. So, no, it, it's not a popular move.
1: So, what what does that decision do in terms of the peacemaking process proce- or the prospects for there getting both sides There is no peacemaking to, pro- There well, is no.
2: I mean, that's what's happened.
1: What? That's what. That's not what Jared Kushner says.
2: Yeah, Jared. Jared, was hmm. going to reinvent government, was going to take care of the opioid crisis. Uh, I guess he found a 24-year-old to deal with that form. Uh, he's, he's also in charge of prison reform. Prison don't reform, forget. yeah. yeah peace. Right. No, there is no peace process. It's, 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 it's dead. And so what people are talking about now is not just the problem that you don't have a peace process moving forward. It's that you've actually ended the possibility of solving this by, by the establishment of two states. So, people, you know, for a long time, how do you solve this? You have two states, one Palestinian, one Israeli living side by side. Well, moving the capital to Jerusalem says, well, Jerusalem's going to be the Jewish capital. It's going to be the Israeli capital. That's the way Netanyahu sees it. And that means it's not going to go to you Arabs. Well, that's that kills the prospect of having a two-state s- solution. It's, it's hard to see how how you get peace in the Middle East, frankly. Uh, and it's, it's interesting on this
1: issue that this is an issue where other presidents, Democratic and Republican have kind of made the same pledge yeah. Barack Obama did. but they didn't do it because they realized that this should this is something that should yeah. be part of the negotiations exactly. right. yeah.
2: and in most negotiations, yeah, you could move the embassy to, to, to Jerusalem. once you've had a settlement in Jerusalem and you have an open city, for example, or, you know, where it's, it's an international city where, where Arabs, Christians, and Jews could all I- enjoy uh, some political rights in that city.
1: In, an, in another part of the world, um, it was, uh, I, I think, very very surprising and, and heartening to see um, representatives from North Korea come across oh, yeah. the border and sit down with representatives of South Korea yeah. at the table... Now they were talking about the Olympics but yeah. they came out of this with an agreement that North Korean athletes are going to compete in this in the Olympics in South Korea yeah. and at the opening ceremony they're all going to be marching together yes. north and south under yes. one
2: flag yes hasn't happened before i know there's a there's a unity flag that they have for Korea, that they've used in some games well, in the past. So
1: let's just say that this is sort of a different approach to North Korea
2: than yes. Donald Trump has yeah. taken. Uh, uh, Kim Jong Un is eating Donald Trump's lunch. <clears throat> I mean, there's no way. I mean, he's he's, he's Kim Jong Un has done everything he wanted this year. Just uh, two days ago, there was a the head of the Federalist Society had a, a, an, a, a praising article in the Post talking about how tr- great Trump was, and one of the things she said was. Um, he held North Korea at bay. No. No, <laughs> yeah. no. no, he hasn't. In the last year, Kim Jong-un has tested an intercontinental ballistic missile that can reach the United States twice, has, has tested an H-bomb, a hydrogen bomb for the first time, has done pretty much everything he wants, and then pivots beautifully on New Year's Day with this conciliatory speech that opens the door to talks and all the things we're now seeing, which is exactly what the South Koreans have wanted because the last thing they want is right. a new Korean war. So they jump on this, and within well, what's it? What, what day is this? The twenty first. You know, within within twenty days, we now have mm-hmm. North Koreans coming to South Korea, which they haven't done for over two years. We have the North Koreans participating in the o- Olympics. We have the South Koreans convincing the Americans to to pause their joint exercises, massive military exercises we were going to do in February and March, to pause them until after the Olympics. So a delay of of two months. No, the 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 South. The the North Korean peace offensive is working at least with the South, and you know who's driving a wedge between the U S. and the South President Korea? of
1: South Korea, right?
2: Well, I would say I would say it's the President of the United States. Oh,
1: oh, I'm sorry. Between the two, yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh, right. Yeah. So you know, I'm sorry.
2: he's driving South Korea to embrace North Korea in order to prevent a war that this none, nobody in South Korea wants.
1: So in a sense, maybe his policy is working indirectly, right? But also, I mean, clearly, the president of South Korea does not sign on to Donald Trump's approach.
2: No, but see, this is so interesting about how you deal with Trump in the world stage. So over the weekend, uh, we got this break in a story. when, When the talks started, at first... Uh, Nikki Haley up at the mm. in the U.N. UN. On, on January 2nd, January 3rd said, no, no, we don't want this. No way. We're not going oh, to talk right. to North Korea yeah. unless they agree to de- denuclearize, which is not going to happen. Yeah. But then a couple of days later, Trump says, undercuts his ambassador, says, well, you know, talks, yeah, it might be a good thing. And you know why? Ah, it's because of me. It's because of me. You got the quote?
1: No, no, no. I don't know whether we do it or not. But Peter and I both said yeah, at the said time, the when they sat down to the table, we said, You watch. Yeah. Donald Trump is going to take credit for it. So this, he...
3: is, this is Trump's, we said this at the time, this is Trump's yes. actual skill. This is what Trump is actually good at, to completely rewrite everything else that's already yeah. happened that's right. and make a brand new narrative starting. Yeah. Now.
2: Right. So wait, wait, there's another wrinkle on this. So he says, "You think they'd be sitting down if I hadn't ha- been tough? No way." So he claims credit yeah. for it. Okay, and, but here's what what President Moon Jae-in, the president of South Korea, does. He gives Trump credit for
1: this. Oh well, right. That's that's the <laughs> way to his heart. Exactly. This yes, is that's the, the way. This it,
2: is the Saudi approach. Oh, great leader, we love you here. You know. Trumpets and let's have a sword dance, <laughs> right? And this and and they know this now, so they give so, Trump credit. But wait, there's another wrinkle. Oh, Over another. the weekend, it turns out that Trump asked Moon to give him credit, and this story breaks yesterday. So Trump told Moon to give yeah. him credit. God, what a small mind! What well, a small but, man!
1: Well, but the, again, this is his mo. Remember, uh, ha- sending. Telling all of his, sending all of his cabinet members out on TV, yeah, yeah, to yeah. give him credit for everything he does, right? And and about uh, he's he's just done this and that. I mean, there's so many examples of that where you know he calls and says you've got to go out and say. Remember when when they questioned his mental stability, right? Oh, yeah. How many people had to go out and say he's a genius? Genius. You they had to use that the word. The Trump genius. I know,
2: brilliant. You know, got elected president, beat seventeen candidates. Blah 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 blah. Right. Yeah. But, so this, is, so back to foreign affairs. You realize this is what? You, what, what do you call this? An ob- obsequious approach that foreign leaders have to be oops, oops,
1: ob- obsequious. <laughs> obsequious. I think thank that's thank word. you. Yes,
2: that's the word uh, to to the president of the United States in order to get things done. And and you can't blame Moon. If I was Moon, I would be doing exactly the sure, same thing. Sure. Give the big man all the credit he wants. Just don't start a war in my neighborhood.
1: Right. Exactly. And
2: by the way, part of
1: the uh, the uh, um, I, I, I guess. Uh, uh, another factor in this whole thing is we do not yet have an ambassador to South Korea.
2: No, no, right. Uh, so the, all this why, is going on. And why we're would not, we? It's America first. Right. Here's one stat on this: um, that people are still talking about. It's a year in. Of the 150 positions at the State Department that the president appoints, only half have been nominated. Only a third have actually been put in place. So, so key. So we're operating with a third of our power. You know we. And what does Trump say to this when asked on Fox News? We
1: don't need them, huh?
2: We don't need them. I'm the only one that counts.
1: And what does Tillerson say? Yes, Mr. President?
2: He's reorganizing the State Department. This is his biggest contribution to reorganize, meaning gut, the State Department, which they see as part of the deep state. Okay, now we were told that
1: Tillerson had to stay at least a year (sighs) uh, for tax purposes, that he couldn't- Oh, really? Yeah. No, that he couldn't, (laughs) if he left before a year, then he'd have to pay some huge thing in taxes but now staying in government a year. So my question is, okay, it's been a year. How how long, How how long? much longer does Tillerson hang in tick there? Tick
2: tock. Well, what what day was he actually sworn in? And we have to go look that up. Yeah. Because it wasn't... It wasn't I mean, why genuine. should he stay? Why he doesn't should have he any, stay?
1: Right? He doesn't have any This guy influence. used to be a
2: giant. He yeah. was the head of the largest corporation in the world. Does anybody and think he's really
1: managing our foreign policy? No. Yeah. no. yeah. No. No, no. Um, uh, yeah. You were in Hawaii... Yes. Uh, you left Hawaii. You, you got out. Just a before, couple of weeks before, before the scare. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you and I have talked so much about the decision making. Now, this was at a state level, not the federal level. Yeah. But it does raise this whole issue about <laughs> who makes the decision when there's a threat of a nuclear weapon to to launch a nuclear war.
2: Right. So one layer of this that that most of the news is focused on is what went wrong in Hawaii and we now know and yeah. bad software and stupid decisions. We've all
4: we've all pushed <laughs> we've we've all all made the wrong No, click. I didn't mean
2: delete. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. I didn't Where mean, did that go? I didn't mean send. Oh no, I sent that. <laughs> That's right. right. But no, no, this is <laughs> alarm. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Uh, um but here's the 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 scary part: is what happens if Trump takes this seriously? What well, happens? That's if what Trump, I'm getting at. If so, yes. so this could Trump could be in the bedroom watching Fox News. You you talk mm-hmm. about that a lot. See it on Fox News that Hawaii is under attack, and decide that this is where he gets his news. Right? He doesn't call his national security advisors to mm-hmm. come in and no, tell him what's no, going on, no. and all he has to do is call. War Call the military any officer. Of them knew it. Right. The military officer required to be less than one minute from him at all times, sits outside the, the bedroom in the White House, calls him in, opens up the briefcase, pulls, opens up the binder, gets in touch with the National uh, Military Authority, and can order a nuclear strike. And,
1: and he, Congress has no role in that whatsoever.
2: The president has sole authority the to the chief the joint
1: chiefs of staff have no role in that whatsoever.
2: There is a, a, an implementation role. That's who he calls oh, to do in it. order to yeah. implement. Okay. But it's, they don't, he doesn't need their consent. Got it. Right. Remember, we have civilian he control have of to the military. Con, he
1: doesn't have to consult them ahead of time. No, there's
2: right. no consultation process necessary, no cabinet meeting, nothing, nothing like that. No conference. You often hear, well, there'll be a conference. That's if the military calls him. But if he calls the military, there's two, three people he has to talk to, uh, required to talk to, in order to implement the order. But, but that's it. No Secretary of Defense. No Secretary of State. No, Not even the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. He, he, he can just, just so go. So
1: shouldn't this Hawaii uh, little uh, faux pas be a wake-up call?
2: Absolutely. How close we are to the nuclear brink. And for hundreds of thousands of Hawaiians, they had a 38 terrifying minutes- of thinking that this was it, I mean, we haven't had something like this for a very, very long time. You know, right. we had a movie, uh, a TV show about this the day after during the mm-hmm. 1980s, where people, you know, uh, went through this kind of experience uh, in a, with a work of fiction. But for these guys, this was real.
1: This looked like a scene out of the 50s. I mean, yeah. the sirens were going off, people were running into bomb shelters, that's absolutely, to the extent, or anywhere the stories, they anywhere right? they could. Should right? I go
2: out and get the dog? Or am I going to get nuked while I'm getting the dog? Uh, you know, this kind of thing, hiding with their mattresses over their heads, praying, let this be a drill. Duck and cover. Was. Yeah. Duck and cover. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fortunately it was. But- and it shows how close we are to the, nu- to the nuclear edge. This is real. This is the way it would actually happen. It would happen in minutes, not a big debate, not like the government shut down. Or, right. or let's discuss it over the yeah. weekend. No. Yeah. no, it could happen in minutes. And so it's an insane system that we have these kinds of weapons under the control of one person.
1: And there was this, so there was this mistake where the guy just hit the wrong button. Uh, in NORAD back in, I think it was 1979, where they had the-, uh, uh, the
2: Training tape.
1: The training tape somebody puts in. It was slipped
2: right. in by accident. All the boards light up, and they all think, so this is hundreds of people now, think that the Soviets are attacking us and that, and that warheads are streaming over the, the pole. They think it's real because everything is telling him it's real. And we've had a half dozen other accidents like that, where radar have picked up a flight of geese and thought it was Soviet bombers, et cetera.
1: Don't have much time left, but uh, there's one top, uh, one uh, part of the world that you and I have spent a lot of time talking about, and nobody's talking about it anymore.
2: Syria. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, the decline of U.S. leadership. Who's making the decisions in Syria? Russia, Iran, um, Assad. The U.S. is out of it. we have no control over what's going on. We've just abandoned it, and so you see all the talk about uh, military commanders have more authority to do strikes. We have no idea how mm-hmm. many innocent civilians are now dying because of the increased strikes we're doing. But they, but that's that's the strategy for Afghanistan, for Iraq, for Syria is just airstrikes, no diplomatic strategy.